This past Friday night in Shul, I touched on a topic fairly briefly. I want to just clarify what I was talking about, mm-hmm. and then it'll lead me to a different discussion. Um, so I mentioned the Friday night that someone called me and asked me, is it a problem that you could buy peeled garlic? Peeled garlic in a container. You could buy it in stores. What's the Shaila about? The Shaila about is like this. There's a Gemara Nida. The Gemara tells us that peeled onions, peeled garlic, and peeled eggs you shouldn't eat. And if, if it's left overnight, you can't eat them. And if you eat them, no, no, it's a halacha today. And if you eat them, the Gemara actually says, I didn't mention this Friday night, the Gemara says, Dam of Beroisha, you're putting your own life in your own hands. It's considered a, a dangerous thing of a Ruach Ra to eat. Um, peeled garlic, onions, and eggs that were left overnight. So the question was, if that's a thing, which the Gemara says it's a thing, and if it's a thing, then then how are you able to buy, uh, you know, you could buy uh, peeled uh, hard-boiled eggs in, in stores, you could buy in like uh, 7-Elevens, you could buy uh, peeled garlic. So I, briefed, I briefly touched on this, but I just want to clarify the truth is, while this halacha is not brought down by the main Rishonim, it's not brought down by the Tur or the Rambam, but it is brought down by the Balatanya and the Chida and the Aruch HaShulchan. So, it's uh, amongst others. There's uh, happens to be all the, all the stuff from today's shir, I, I, I jot it down fairly quickly. Uh, I have all the Marmachimists, because I, I once uh, spent my time writing on these topics. So I have all the Marmachimists, if anyone's interested... Just write to me, but uh, the, but th- those are the basic sheets that bring it down. So if that's a thing, then, then w- what's the hetter based on? Now, there, to be fair, there's a there are it is a machloikas. Come on this side. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's all right. Um, it's also nicer for me. So it's a it happens to be just in general there is a shaila in the poskim of things that are based on ruach ro, things that are based on spirits, evil spirits. Do they still have halachic ramifications today? But, and it has to do with bathrooms, going into a bathroom, and all these things. Pashtus, according to many Paiskim, you should be machmer. So having peeled onions, garlic, and eggs is conceptually a problem. So I just want to run through, before there's any questions, I'll run through some of the heterim and some of the details. And then it'll, uh, I'll mention what I mentioned Friday night. Now, first of all, it's not a heter if it's in a fridge, because the Gemara and the Rishonim explain it's a problem even if it's covered and sealed. So the fridge doesn't help. Now, there is... Um, there's basically three heter, there's four heter, okay? First of all, if it's mixed in with another ingredient, it's fine. So if let's say, it's, the reason why this could be very relevant is because you have a woman Thursday night, she's going to make a chicken soup on Friday, so she wants to prepare, as they say in cooking, mise en place, and she wants to make all her preparation and, and prepare everything, so she wants to peel her onions and put it in the fridge. That's a problem. So one heter is if you mix in the, all the ingredients together, so you add oil to the onions, you add salt to the onions, you mix in other ingredients, that does make it mutter. Secondly, if you leave some of the hair on the onion, so if you don't completely peel the onion, you leave some of the hair and some of the outer flesh, outer skin, that's also a heter. Regarding eggs, there's makam to, more makam to be lenient because Rashi was not gyrus eggs as being a problem. So it's a shayla in the Rishonim, so that there's already more makam to be mangled. 
But those are basically the only heterim. So the question was, you have peeled garlic, as I mentioned Friday night, how is it that the OU and other cashless organizations give a heter that you can buy large peeled garlic in the store? So I mentioned, and I think it's a very fascinating sheet, and that's the sheet of Ramosha Feinstein. Ramosha Feinstein said, anytime you're dealing with something because of evil spirits, because of Urach Ra, it's not rational, as they say, right? I guess it's super rational. It's beyond intellect. And therefore, as long as it's not identical to that of Chazal, we don't have to be worried about it. It's not something you could apply. There's no application. It's not, uh, it's not human intellect that we could apply. And therefore, Ramosha says, it's a tremendous Chiddush, but Ramosha says, in the times of the Gemara, when they, when they were discussing, what were they discussing? They were discussing a woman who prepares her dishes and she has some extra garlic, she has some extra onions. That's what she was, they were discussing. They were never discussing commercially sold products. That was, not what, that was not the common application. And therefore, it only is a problem for onions, eggs, and garlic that's peeled overnight that's meant for home use. But for commercial use, Ramosha Feinstein said it's mota. That's Ramosha's psak. So Rebelski was asked, can the OU rely on it? He said yes. The OU does rely on it, and that's why they give a hechsher. And then Rebelski uh, mentioned that also the whole concern is ruach ra, right? You're concerned about an evil spirit, about spirituality. He says, once the poisek hador, the universally accepted poisek of Ramosha Feinstein says something's mota, you don't have to worry about any spirituality. Ramosha's heter alone removes any. Uh, Ruach Ra. So that was that was the halacha that I mentioned Friday night. Okay, so because I mentioned this and I was I was looking into this, it led me down a different path, and I wanted to touch on tonight. Again, I have all the marmikayimus in my house if you need for specific, but these are the generic, you know, basic. I wanted to talk about things that cause forgetfulness, things that are more weird in halacha. The Gemara tells us before we get into. I have one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight. I have eight. I don't know if I'll get to all of them. I have eight things that are very relevant. Rechaim Knesky wrote a whole sefer called uh, a Sefer Hazikaron, where he talks about things that cause forgetfulness. The Gemara mentions that there are certain things that cause you to forget your learning. It's in Hariyas Dafyod Gimel. It's in Nida a little bit, but Hariyas Dafyod Gimel is the main sugya. And obviously those things are things that we should avoid. Some of them will become famous. Some of them you will have, have heard of, and others maybe not. Um, so just to, before we, we go about it, just a couple things to remember before I mention the actual details of each halacha. Um, there is an iser de oraisa of forgetting your learning. Uh, Pentishmar. The Pasuk says, the Gemara says, Kol anyone who forgets his learning, it's m'schayv b'nafshay, and you're over alav. Now what does it mean to forget your learning? How do I forget your learning? So it means you learn Torah and you know chazer. If you don't review your learning, that's actively forgetting your learning. If you try, you try, but if you don't try, you're over an iser de oraisa. So the question is, if I do something that Chazal says caused me to forget my learning, is that aser de oraisa as well? The Arach HaShulchan says yes. The Arach HaShulchan says that all the things I'm going to be listing for the next few minutes, they're isurim de oraisa. They're biblically forbidden to do, because if you're not allowed to forget your learning, and these cause forgetfulness, then the transitive property tells you that that's aser. Uh, to be fair... There is a shita of the Sefer Chassidim. The Sefer Chassidim feels that it's not Aser. He says these things don't cause you to forget your learning. They cause you to have a weaker memory. It's not as direct and therefore it's not Aser. But the should be avoided. So everything I'm saying should be avoided. Whether it's Aser Doraisa or not Aser Doraisa is a machlokis. But many posts can feel that it's Aser Doraisa, what I'm about to mention. Now, by the way, regarding women, whether women are 
obligated to refrain from all these things I'm going to say, well, if it has to do with forgetting your learning, they're not obligated to learn Torah. So if they're not, if they're not obligated to learn Torah, they're definitely not uh, prohibited from forgetting learning if they're not obligated to learn in the beginning. And that's the same for Mishmer Shalom. The Mishmer Shalom writes that women are allowed to do all these activities that I'm going to mention. However, Rav Belsky, in the Sefer Pisgah Rav Belsky, would advise women to be machmer if they can. So these things ideally should be avoided by women as well, but definitely it's, it's, it's more of a severity for men, but it's something that women should be machmer as well. Now, what, what say it again? Of oh, course, you forget. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, 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 that, that's God. Yeah, that's God. Um, so, okay, I, I'm going to mention, I, I jotted down quickly, uh, if I can even read my hand there, I jotted down eight things. By the way, one of them was from the misconception share. There's no forgetfulness of eating the crust of the end of the challah. I, I've heard this, that you can't eat the end of the challah. There's no, there's no such a makar anywhere. Uh, you're absolutely allowed to. Uh, Rebelski used to, <laughs> used to, he liked that part of the challah, and he would uh, make a joke. He's like, I think my memory is pretty good. So he would, uh, there's, no, there's, no, there's no problem. I'm going with the things from Gemara. These are not even from Rishonim. This is Gemara. It's brought down by the Magad Avram, the Balatanya, the Chidar, Ravavadya, but, but these are from the Gemara. The first one, I'm only going to mention, just because in this shul, we have a lot of dog owners. From Jews generally don't own dogs. That's not a. That hasn't been a thing. But in the shul, Baruch Hashem, we have a lot of dog owners. So um, I just mentioned the Gemara mentions one, which like you'd read and you're like, who would do such a thing? And then you realize, the, 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 the Gemara says that if you eat food that a cat or a mouse ate from, and you eat it, it causes you to forget your learning. So a cat, a mouse, who's that? But the the sefer, there's a sefer Chupas Chasanim, his commentary on the Gemara, and he says a dog also. So, if you're having ice cream, and you let your dog lick from the ice cream, which I, would n- I, I'm, I'm not, I, don't, like, I don't like dogs, so I, it definitely not for me, but I've seen this with my own eyes, if you let them lick from it, then you, it's kashal shecha. So it's some, again, that's, that's, out of all of the eight, by far, hopefully, the least relevant. But that's something, you know, it's just, it is a, a problem on a biblical level, potentially. Now, the, the next one is very strange, because the next one is is a staple in Eretz Yisrael of food, and is America as well, and that's olives. The Gemara says, Kol harogel bezeisim. the Gemara in Haridus writes, harogel bezeisim means someone who routinely eats olives will cause him to forget his learning. Now, what's interesting about that is, the next Gemara in Haridus lists things that help your memory, and olive oil helps your memory. Like yin and yang. The Marsha over there actually points out something interesting. We know the Shivas Haminim, right? The seven, the seven foods, seven uh, fruits and uh, 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 seven uh, uh, species that Eretz Yisrael is praised by. So they're all the actual product themselves, right? You know, you have uh, teena, figs, rimon, it's a pomegranate. It's not pomegranate juice, it's pomegranates. There's only one that's a byproduct. It's shemen is olive oil, it's not the olives. So why isn't the olives? So the Marsha says, because olives cause you to forget your learning. Olive oil is, 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 it helps you haskara. So, so olives are a problem. <laughs> olives are a problem. That's what, that's what a lot of people, Israelis eat olives all the time. So, so let me tell you some of the details, and you'll see how it's, there's room to be lenient. First of all, it says if you regularly eat olives, harogil, you have to do it on a, ste- a steady basis. What's steady? So Chaim Kanievsky proves from different grammars and shas that once every 30 days. So if you eat olives once every 45 days, you're fine. 
But if you have it within every 30 days or more frequently than every 30 days, it's potentially a problem. What's the so, quantity, though? Like, is there it doesn't quantity? say. It just says, Haroga Bezaysim. Oh, oh so, so, so we'll get to that. So once every 30 days, though, that's still, again, you go to, you go to a falafel place, you eat an olive. So what's, so what's the hazard? So Rav Yosef Chaim Zonnefeld held that if you add olive oil to the olives, it's fine. So if you are serving olives, put a little olive oil, that, it, it solves the problem. What if you're eating olives that are brine? There's no olive oil. You see, like you go to a, a fleshic, like a like an Israeli place, they'll put hummus, they'll put olives, and they'll put some olive oil. So okay, so the olive oil fixes it. But what happens? So what, what's the hetter if you don't have any olive oil? So the truth is, Rav Yaakov Emden. So Rav Yaakov Emden, you're talking about the the 1600s, the 1600s, Rav Yaakov, the late 16s. So Rav Yaakov Emden. Early 70s. Rav Yaakov Emden, he already noticed that people are eating olives all the time. And he says, I don't understand. The Gemara says you're not allowed to. So he says, it must be that it's only someone who eats a lot of olives and eats them raw. Or, uh, you know, I guess because raw is very bitter, it's not very common. But he says, if it's brined or if it's salted, then it's fine. So I guess that's the Minigol. Merchayim Kefsi doesn't like that, Heter. But I guess that, that would be avoiding this problem. So the next time someone gives you a hard time about olives, you have Rav Yaakov Emden to rely on. Okay. That's topic number one. The next one, I'm going to mention these just because just have one shear, put them all together, and the next week we'll go back to more common occurrences. The next one is like this. Um, it's, it, this would only be Negea if you're stuck in an airport or if you're like uh, hitchhiking or sleeping in, uh, in the woods or in like, uh, what do you call it, camping. The Gemara says that if you sleep on your clothes, if you take your clothes and make a pillow out of it, you're going to forget your learning. So that's something that's, again, it could be Negea, you're sitting in an airport and you can't sleep and you take, or a hospital, and you take like a, a you know, you take like a sweatshirt and you roll it up, or shirt, you roll it up and you keep it as a pillow. You shouldn't, uh, you should not do such a thing. It should be avoided. Again, uh, there's no reasons for this stuff. This is all up the Gemara. This is all Ruach Ra, but uh, we have a Muna that all of these things are 100% Mislamita. So, but you're allowed to sleep on your on your on your uh, on your uh, sleeve. You're allowed to nap in base medish. That's fine. What if you put the clothing inside? Of oh, so the Paiskim say the Mishabura writes that if you put your clothing in a in a, like a bag in like a pillowcase, then it avoids the problem. Okay, so that's a, that's a. Now the next one is interesting. The next one is something that I I'm I'm pretty I try to be pretty careful with, um, and that's. You're not allowed to walk between two women. It's an interesting halacha. If you walk between two women, it causes you to forget your learning. So now, um, okay, so that's a problem. That's going to be hard to avoid when you're uh, living as a regular person. Yeah, you have sisters, you're walking downstairs, they're in the Kiddush. So, how, so, so what are some of the terim? So if Yosef Chaim Zonnefeld says that it's only an issue if... Uh, the man is moving and the women are standing still and you're walking through them. But if everybody's traveling, it's fine. So if in the subway, everybody's moving, it's fine. Um, in addition, the Ben Ishchai writes that if it's two men walking, it's fine. So it's only a problem of one man between two women. Um, thirdly, Rechaim Kinevsky says it's fine if they're under bat mitzvah. But at the end of the day, with all this, what happens if you're downstairs, there's women on either side and you got to walk through. So there's one massive heter. They bring it down from Elia Lapian. Rav Elia Lapian said that you should try to hold on to something. Hold a safer. He said, uh, hold on to your payas. So what I do is I hold my tzitzis. That's why if you'll ever, <laughs> if downstairs during the Kiddush, when I'm walking through, I'll usually have my tzitzis in my hands. It's not because of any, you know, uh, 
sensory things. It's it's just it's it's usually to help uh, the little learning that I have. I'd like to hold on to it. So if you walk between two women, it's something to be mocked about. Okay. Uh, Sitting between two women would be a similar problem. You can hold on to something; it makes it uh, makes it a problem. Does this include like, like close relatives? Yeah, yeah. Similarly, Chaim says he doesn't uh, feel that there should be a distinction. This is all Mamshi has a whole safer. I just went through the ones that are these are more practical than the ones not. So this next one is very fascinating. So you hold on to something. You hold on. You got, if you keep your tits out, Shvarim yeah. don't. But that's more of a halachic thing. But uh, if you don't have. You have pace. You have pace. Everybody has pace. Baruch Hashem, you have pace. You can play with your pace. You'll be that guy who's playing with his pace. That's what they, that's what they say. Listen, if you can, you can. Listen, that's it. As I told you, according to the Aruch HaShokhan, these are Isurim Daraisa. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, maybe that's, that's not why, but it it helps if you're a chassid, if you have long pace to play, play with. Chabad, Chabad, we don't really have a little bit. It's not, it makes it a little bit harder. Um, so this next one is actually very fascinating. And if, if any, and I think, you'll see that there's like a change. As America got a lot frumer over the last hundred years, there was a change. If you ever go to a cemetery and you'll see the old tombstones from like the 20s, 30s, and, and, and older, the letters were all, all pushing out. They're all st- uh, like sticking out of the tomb, embossed. Nowadays, they are not done that way. They're all etched in, always. If you go to a frum cemetery, they're all etched in. So why is that? So perhaps the reason is follows. The Gemara in Harius, in that Gemara when it's listing things that cause forgetfulness, the Gemara says if you read a tombstone, you'll forget your learning. So you're not allowed to read a tombstone. It's also to read a tombstone. So the Arizal said though, the Arizal said that Al Pikabola, it's only true if the tombs are if the tombs are embossed. But if they're ingrained, it's fine. If they're graved, they're fine. That's the Arizal said. So probably Mostama, what happened is that people became aware of this Arizal and therefore to avoid uh, concerns of forgetting your learning they, they made all the tombstones are now uh, engraved as opposed to embossed. That's the teaching of the Arizal but there's a very interesting teaching of the Yosef I, I don't know the reason, I, I can't this entire shir, there's no reasons for any of this, this is, uh, you have to have a Muna you have to have a Muna that there's things happening so there's a teaching of the Yosef Oymets. The Yosef Oymets writes like this, yeah, I don't know if you ever noticed I'm sure we all noticed that when you go to a cemetery there are t- rocks. People put rocks on a kever. You pick up a rock, you put it on the kever. What's the reason for this? So the Berhetiv brings down that the simple reason is as follows. You want to make sure that the person who passed away should feel like people go to visit him. It's, not, it's sad to go to a kever when there's no, there's no... You want to make it seem like you know he has people that care about him. That's covered for the nifter. It's covered for the person that passed away. That there should be signs that people care about him. So that's why you're supposed to take care of a grave, take care of a tombstone. So what do Goyim do? They put flowers. So it says the Berhetev, yeah, if you put flowers, they're going to die. And then they'll go, they'll fall apart. So if you put a rock, a rock will stay there forever. That's, so that's the Pashib shot of why we put rocks on top of tombs. It's just Pashib, on top of a kever. It's that the people should know. That, look how many people came here. It's, it's a nice covered for the Nifter. The Yosef Ayman says that if you put a rock on top of a kever that's embossed, it removes the uh, potency of causing them to forget your learning. That's the Yosef Ayman says. So it could be that's another reason why it developed into doing such a thing that people put the, the rocks on top. Um, again, that, that uh, you know, we could, we could start a whole shear. The truth is, I wanted to do this at some point, maybe I'll start sprinkling it in on Tuesday nights, of reasons for minhagim. 
because I think that might help because um, I don't think people know why they're doing what they're doing. So that could be a reason. That's the first one if we start doing it. The first one, the reasons is to put, uh, is to put a rock, is to either to make it show that the nifters, that, that people were there, and it's a cover for the nifter. That's part of it. A, it's a strange thing. Ramosha has a tshuva. Ramosha was asked, are you allowed to pay a shiva call over the phone? Or do you have to go in person? Obviously, listen, if the person's in Eretz Yisrael, you have no choice, you have no choice. At that point, the person's in the neighborhood, but you're like, listen, I'm just going to make a phone call. Am I fulfilling the mitzvah that way? So it's a strange thing, because the Gemara in Brachis, in the third parak, has a whole discussion about whether the people, after they pass away, are they aware of what's going on down here? It's a whole discussion in the Gemara. The Gemara concludes that they do. So Ramosha says, there's two inyonim, there's two concepts of... There's two aspects being accomplished when you pay a shiva call. Number one, it comforts the mourners that are living and there. He says, for that, you could fulfill over the telephone. If you make them feel better, you make them feel better. Half the people that go make them feel worse. But if you make them feel better, right? You, you, you don't stick your foot in your mouth and you go and you, and, you, and you sit there quietly. Which, by the way, just for the record, I just want to... <laughs> it's not a halacha. You should have common sense. I don't, I don't understand. I, I, unfortunately, I've been to a lot of shiva homes. I don't understand what people... People just... There's no Indian to make them sadder. <laughs> you don't have to, like, hire them to cry more. You don't fulfill anything. You'll go and they'll be like... They'll, it's, it's a pelagada where people just sit there quietly... And when they talk to you, talk normally like a regular person. And then you get up and you say, Hamakim Yenachim. And you did a good job. But anyway, the first Indian is to comfort them more, is to make them feel better. But Ramosha says there's a second aspect, and that is most of the times you pay a shiva call in the person, the, where the person passed away in his home. Right? Why? Which, by the way, also, for the record, is probably the, the, the makar of a strange minig I'll mention the eating in a second. I'll just see if I forget. So Ramayusha says, you do it in the person's home. Why? It's a covid for the nifter that he looks down and he sees, wow, in the place that I live, look how many people care about me that they came. What does it mean that he cares? Well, it matters to that person. So the person looks down and it's, it's like, oh, wow, so many people came to my house. It's like a, it's like a covid that, that he made a roshim. You know, Ritzi Pesach Frank, I've mentioned this in the past, in the introduction to Har Tzvi, he quoted his diary. That his diary, he writes that a person should uh, should should make the world different somehow. He says even if it means if it means writing a book, they plant trees, do something that the world is a different place because of you. So when someone passes away, you go to the house. It's it's mechabed the person, the nifter. Look how many people are in my house. It's mechabed him. A phone call is not mechabed. As he says, that you're not accomplishing by doing over the phone. So Ramayusha says this, two aspects of a shiva. If you call over the phone, you're accomplishing one aspect, you're not accomplishing the other. So it's better than nothing, but it's definitely not as good as going in person. Now, by the way, just Agav, just because the whole thing is Agav, Tombstone's got me here, but um, there's an Ashkenazi minig. I don't know if I mentioned this, but there's an Ashkenazi minig. Svardim definitely don't have this. They're, you go to a shiva house, you sit down, you eat, right? You eat, you make a bracha, you eat. Ashkenazim don't eat at shiva homes. They're very uncomfortable when they go to Svardim because they even to eat and like they, they don't they don't want to eat and they think it's like Asu Deraisa. The truth is there is a minig by Ashkenazim not to take food from a shiva home. It's very unclear why, what the source is, and whether it's a real minig or not. Most likely, if there is a source for the minig. It's not that they don't eat in the Shiva home. Most likely, if you had to guess, it's that there's a shita of the Sefer Chassidim that when someone dies in a house, like when they died in the house, you're supposed to discard all open food. Because there's a tumma. Okay, so it, 
because a lot of Shiva homes, they're sitting Shiva in the place where the person died because they didn't really have hospitals. They died in the house. So Ashkenazim won't eat food that was open at the time of the Misa. Because of this, it evolved that they won't make a bracha in a Shiva home under all circumstances. But that's, that's a, 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 a very far extension considering 90% of the times you're paying a Shiva they didn't die in the house, they died in the hospital. And, and also, even if they died in the, ha- in the house, the food they already discarded, this is, they just brought pizza from Benji. So like, well, what, why can't you, you're not even taking it out. It, it, it's, it's a strange thing, but uh, whatever. This, so they offer you food, you make a bracha. It's, a, it's not even Ashkenazim, they should make a bracha. There's no real makar for it. Um, okay, three more that I'll mention. One is, uh, you're not supposed to take off to put on two articles of clothing at the same time. That's the Gemara says. You can't put on two clothing at the same time. So I've thought about this. The only example I could think of, because I thought about this, like who put, how do you put on two pieces of clothing at the same time? It's a hat with a yarmulke inside. That's the only example I could think of. You take a baseball cap, men will do this, they'll put the yarmulke in so that it's that, and then they'll put the hat and... That you should not do. That is not allowed to be done. That you should be careful with. Because that's putting on two articles of clothing. I can't do that. I, that that's impressive. If they could put a shirt and a sweatshirt on at the same time, good for them. When I wear a baseball cap, I should put my yarmulke in my pocket. No, put the, put the yarmulke on your head and then put the baseball cap on. But don't put the yarmulke in the baseball cap because then you're putting the yarmulke and the baseball cap at the same time. That's, that's the only application that I can think of. The shyly is, can I take off two articles of clothing at the same time? That can happen all the time. That, that, that's easy. That taking off clothing is a lot easier than putting it on. So the, there's a big mekubal from the 1800s. He was the Kimar Rebbe. He wrote a sefer called Shulchan Atar, which is his Pirish on Shulchan Aruch. He was a huge mekubal. I've mentioned in the past, he wrote a sefer called Megil Astorim, which is his autobiography that starts with his first Gilgal. It doesn't start in this lifetime. It starts in his first lifetime. So you're dealing with a different kind of mekubal. So... I think he was like he was like a shepherd or something. I don't know. I think he was a shepherd during the first base on English, and he describes his first lifetime, his second, his third, and I think he was in his fourth lifetime by the time he got to the 1800s. So anyway, so he writes, "You should be makbid." He says it's a problem. Rav Shlomo Zalman disagrees. Rav Shlomo Zalman, based on what Rav Moshe we had before, which is that when you're dealing with ruach ra, you're dealing with spooky hocus stuff, you can't apply it. The Gemara says putting on. It never says taking off. So Rav Shlomo Zalman says so taking off is fine. Uh, I have two more. One is, this is just, it's not cleanliness, but drying your clothes, your hands on your clothes. I mean, it's not, it's a, it's like a kid thing to do anyway. It's not a, a very classy way to live your life. If you do it, it causes you to forget your learning. So it's, it's usher to do such a thing. It's brought down by the Mishaburu and Simikuf and Ches. Oh, so, so, so I let them air dry. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. It's not worth it. That's brought down the Mishabura. Now the, the Mishabura, he brings it down regarding laws of Natilas Yedayim for bread. I, I don't know, I've never seen any distinction between Natilas as Yedayim. It's brought down in Kufnun Ches, which is Natilas Yedayim for bread, but I would assume that you should be Machmed as well. Is this only clothing that you're wearing? Or? So it's a Machleika, it's definitely the one that you're wearing for sure. Right. Well, you're not wearing, it's uh, more Machim to be Mako, but it's still better towel, towel only. So one last Halacha, and then, uh, happy to take questions on anything that's relevant. This is the last one, and that's, there's a shach in Yeridea. The shach in Yeridea brings down, it's in the section of halacha regarding Kedusha Svarim. The holiness of Svarim, which by the way, we could spend the whole shir going on different things about putting Svarim upside down, and, and uh, 
I told you this once that uh, it's brought down a Shulchan Aruch that you shouldn't put a sitter on top of a chumash. So someone used to be very, used to give me musar about it. So whatever. The Aruch HaShulchan says nowadays that svarim are printed. They're not written by hand. They're printed. They all have the same level of Kedusha. So the Aruch HaShulchan says it doesn't make a difference anymore. So it's, while it's a nice thing to be makbid, I'm definitely not going to give musar to anybody about that, that's not careful with that. But in that section of Kedusha svarim, the Shach writes that there's an angel whose name is Daf. Daf means page. He's an Amalach. His name is Daf. And his job is he attacks Jews that leave Svarim open. And he forget, it makes you forget the learning that you had from that Sefer. So if you leave a Sefer open, you, you can't, don't do that because there's a Malach whose job is he just attacks. His name is Daf and he attacks those Jews. So a lot of times you'll have it. I'll, I'll walk in, let's say, after the Kiddush downstairs, Hashivenu, I'll come up and there's Sedurim and Chumashim open that people forgot from davening. So that's something you should have to be careful about. Now, to be fair, just, I'll end with this. The question is, what if I'm just going to the bathroom? I'm just going, just going one minute. I'm just going one minute. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not like, listen, you leave a safer for a half hour open, that's disrespectful and it causes you to forget your learning. The question is, what if I'm just going for two minutes? Is it also also? The question is, uh, does this malach have a timer? Like, you know, how, how, much, how much patience does this malach have? So the Aruch HaShulchan says, it's only usher if you leave for a long time. If you're leaving for two, three minutes, it's fine. But uh, Rav Chaim Palaji and Rav Avadi Hadaya, who was a very big Paisik in Rav Avadi Yosef's time, he was on the same bezin. Rav Avadi Hadaya in the Askelavdi is Machmer, and he says, this malach doesn't care. You leave the room, even for a minute, the malach will attack. And it's something you should be careful with. I'll just end with the Maisa Shahaya that I remember with my own eyes. I brought, uh, when I wrote a Sefer many years ago, I brought it to Ravelski to get a Haskama. I didn't know Ravelski, but I was, he was kind enough to, to, to give me a lot of time. And he spent about an hour. And while I was in his room for an hour, he was reading my Sefer for about an hour. I've never been more nervous. Uh, I was up there in the most nerve-wracking times of my life, having one of the biggest places come on the planet read my Sefer, which I had not anticipated because most Rabbana, when you get Askama, you hand it to them. They just... They say, oh, very nice, and they put it down, and then they, they usually lose the Sefer, and they call you up like three months later, can I get another copy? So I never had a Sefer or Rav actually like, read in front of me. So I'm sitting at Belsky, and while I'm sitting here, he's one of the biggest Paiskim in the planet, he's getting Shilas, and Maris, a, woman, a, a Rav came in with Maris for Nida, he's getting this Shaila and that Shaila. Every time he took a phone call, he closed the Sefer. He did not leave the safer open, even for a phone call. He felt that it was disrespectful. So every time there's a phone call, he closed it, answered the phone, and then reopened it again for a cover for the safer. I'm not saying he was mocked because of kashul shikha, but just for covered svarim, he was careful not to leave it open like, you know, it's just a random book. But every single time he wasn't focused on it, he closed the safer. Uh, if there's any questions, good. If not, uh, next week we'll go back to the uh, more, ran- uh, more uh, random shadows of the week.